Hey, Slingers, thanks for tuning in to another week of the Word Slinger podcast. I'm, I'm happy you're here. Now, I'm talking to Colin Gardner. He's the CPO of Outdoorsy. What's a CPO? Stick around and find that out. And we're going to be talking about riding from anywhere with an RV as your ultimate riding retreat. So stick around for that. This episode of the Word Slinger podcast is brought to you by draft to digital Convert your manuscript, distribute it online, and get support the whole way at DraftToDigital.com. It's the Word Slinger Podcast, where story matters. Build your brand, write your book, redefine who you are. It's all about the story here. What's yours? Now, here's the guy who invented Pants Optional, Kevin Tomlinson, the Word Slinger. Word Slinger. I'm Kevin Tomlinson, the Word Slinger. I'm so glad you dropped in. I am, uh, this has been a uh, interesting week. Now, for the past, we're going to say three weeks, because even though there have been times in the middle where she was here, my wife has been gone. She's been traveling to El Paso um, for her work. And that's left me here uh, playing Bachelor for the past three weeks. And like I said, there's been a couple of days in there where she's been home, uh, mostly just to do laundry and and uh, get get herself rested a little before she has to get right back on an airplane uh, back to El Paso. And now she's going to be traveling to uh, Baton Rouge, I believe, um, in the next week, next week. Uh, now that's that's not quite as bad, but, you know, <laughs> it's still not home and then uh i think the week she gets back the weekend she gets back i start my little junket i'm gonna be uh first traveling uh to indie book fest in orlando if you're gonna be at indie book fest 2018 uh this you know swing on by i'm gonna be doing a couple of panels uh i'm gonna be doing a book signing i got the books should be arriving actually pretty soon that i'm gonna take with me um so i'll be selling some books there and uh doing a signing I got an author table, which is great. Uh, but I'm also just speaking on behalf of draft to digital uh, just talking about the publishing industry, some, some, some information you may not know about. Um, well, you, the word slinger uh, audience, the slingers, you may know about all this stuff, actually. <laughs> thanks, thanks to being a listener. Uh, but uh, it's going to be an interesting, and now that just kicks off like three solid months of me traveling. Uh, I think my wife will also be traveling. Our poor little dog is going to have to, she's going to have to stay with the uh, the rents, I think, <laughs> the in-laws, um, and possibly even have to stay overnight at a kennel somewhere, which I'm not looking forward to. I may have to uh, reach out to my my network and see if anybody could take care of her for a, for a week or two. Um, that's neither here nor there. Now today, um, I'm talking to Colin Gardner and he's a CPO. He's the CPO of, uh, outdoorsy outdoorsy.com is the site that Kara and I chose after, uh, a lot of research, but we chose outdoorsy as the site for managing our RV rental. Um, and that has been uh, that's been a that's been a great resource for us. We've made uh, quite a nice little profit off of renting out our RV. 
Uh, we rent it out. I, I bill it out as the ultimate writing retreat, which is the you know source of the name of this episode, by the way. Um, but it is the ultimate writing retreat. I've written three bestsellers in that RV uh, and worked on a couple more <laughs> that didn't get completed, but um, didn't get completed while in the RV, I should say. Um, but uh, you know that that RV has been uh, it's been interesting. At times, we've thought of it as a curse. <laughs> It was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun living in it while we were on the road full time. It was a lot of fun traveling in it. Um, I've taken it to conferences before, and so it's, you know, it's it's in some ways saved some overhead on uh, a few events that I've attended. Uh, you know, I took it and did book signings and conferences and things like that. And um, and then uh, you know we lived in it full time for a year, a little over a year, uh, while we traveled, and that was a that was a great experience. Um, but, uh, when we got off the road and when we decided we, we would get an apartment, it, 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 it kind of just sat there for a while. It was in for some repairs and it was there for like nine months, which I, I think is, I think is ridiculous. <laughs> um, and it's really put a bitter taste in my mouth for, uh, the, uh, the, the people who were doing the repairs, uh, people I thought I could rely on. But uh, I sat there, and while it was there, they left the windows uh, unblocked, so the the driver's seat and passenger seat dry rotted. Uh, so the the leather, or I guess it maybe it's faux leather, I'm not sure, but whatever uh, is on those seats has been flaking off. I had to buy covers for those. Uh, the windshield wipers have uh, been a problem. They uh, finally got a recall on those. I got a recall on the step that broke. So, you know, there's been little things that have gone wrong uh, that made that feel like it was a nightmare. But what I've come to understand about it, what I've come to think about it, is that because of all these little things that went wrong, um, it, it, it taught me a lot and gave me some confidence. And I put my hands on the thing more often, and I know the machine better. I know when something's wrong. I know when something needs to be worked on, repaired, maintained, or whatever. Um, and it's it's helped me in other areas of my life. So it's hard to look at the RV and say, well, what a nightmare, when it really wasn't. I mean, there were there have been things that went wrong, and it's scary because it's such an expensive vehicle, uh, and you get intimidated. But uh, now that I'm kind of past the intimidation, I'm looking at it and thinking, what a great investment we've made. It's not a great investment in terms of, you know, you're not going to get a ton of ROI out of an R RV. Um, you, in, if you're thinking of it in terms of, I'm going to buy it and then I'll resell it later. Uh, resale is horrible. It drops in value um, worse than just about anything else I've ever encountered. Um, I mean, you know, 140 grand for this for this house on wheels. And uh, the first, you know, within a, we took it by and just kind of got an estimate on it within the first two years of owning it. And they only wanted to offer us like 70,000 for it. Half, half its value lost in just two years. <laughs> now, um, now if I sold, sold it outright, I could get much more, probably in the neighborhood of like 98,000 or something around those lines, um, depending on the uh, number of miles. And there's all kinds of factors in there. But you can see it's not a great investment if your idea is I'm going to buy it and I'm going to resell it. On the other hand, because of resources like Outdoorsy.com, we've actually turned this into a source of revenue. Um, and this has been great. Now, we're, there's some there's some bugs i got to work out. Uh, one, of, one of which is um, I'm not always here to manage the, you know, the rental. 
In other words, when someone wants to rent it, I got to be here to walk them through, do the walkthrough of the thing, uh, make sure it's in good shape, make sure it's clean, uh, get them out the door, get the paperwork signed and all that. So that requires my physical presence and it may, it might mean hiring someone. However, in this interview, uh, Colin talks about, um, you know, some options that they're working on. And I'm very excited about this. Much more excited today than I was during the interview, actually, because now I've had some experience with renting it out. And, you know, we're, we're missing out on some money because of this. Uh, we're not going to be able to rent it over periods when we're going to be traveling, uh, for example, uh, because, you know, it's, uh, there's no one here to, to, to do the stuff, right? So uh, I have to turn down rentals that overlap with our travel. Unless we're traveling in the RV, which we're, we're actually thinking about doing over the Thanksgiving holiday. We're going to take the RV, go to, uh, probably go to Salt Lake City uh, as one destination. Spend some time with our, our Kara's family there. And then, uh, you know, branch out from there and go to other places while we have the, the time and the RV. So, um, you know, there's all that to consider. The... Uh, now this, if if outdoorsy does what it says it's going to do, and I have no reason to believe they won't, uh, it looks like they're working on it. Now we've got an opportunity to have someone basically take the the reins of uh, the rental. They get maybe a cut, you know, they get a percentage, maybe uh, maybe I just pay them outright. I don't know how it's going to work, but um, at this point, I would have no problem giving someone some money to uh, to manage the RV for me <laughs> because. By the way, I've done it myself, and I know what to expect, and I know how this should go, and that's why that's one of the biggest reasons to to do something like this. I think uh, so. There, it's no more frightening and intimidating and scary than getting into uh, rent, buying and selling and renting houses. I think um, you know if you're gonna if you're gonna do this, there is some risk. There's always risk. There's always overhead. There's always something you're gonna have to deal with, some headache, um, and but if you can get past your worry and fear over that stuff, it opens up so many opportunities. Now, how does this help you as a writer? Uh, first, we're going to talk about this idea of using the RVs as a as the ultimate writing retreat. You know, get in an RV, go somewhere. You can literally, I, I like the idea of getting one of the uh, vans, the conversion vans, and just, just going anywhere, just literally anywhere. Because these things are self-contained. They often have generators, if they don't, you know, some some of them have systems that use the engine of the vehicle like a generator. Like it'll start up when the batteries are low automatically, things like that. They have, uh, you know, little kitchenettes and, and bathrooms and, you know, small showers and, you know, a bed and, you know, everything you'd need <laughs> to go literally park anywhere, uh, sit out and write amongst the, you know, the mountains and the lakes and uh, the beaches and, you know, uh, all the things uh, God has created out there that are just so inspiring for your work. Um, go into the city, you know, do whatever you got to do. This is, it's it's a very romantic vision of the whole thing. There are challenges you'll have to deal with um, on, from time to time, but uh, it's worth every every minute of that, I think. So there is that. And then there is the idea of um, RVs as a revenue source, uh, like what we're doing. You know, and as an author, um, it's great to have multiple streams of income. It's great to have another source of income that isn't completely dependent on me. Now, right now, it is slightly dependent on me. I'm working on that. 
but it is fantastic to have a yet another revenue stream. You know me, I've got some, I've got several revenue streams. Um, trying to diversify more. Most of my revenue comes from the publishing world in some way. Um, you know, and I, that's, that's all well and good, but I want to get outside of the publishing world and diversify and make sure I'm, I'm taken care of. So anyway, we're, we're 11 minutes in. I did not mean for this to go that long, but we're going to hop into this interview with, uh, Colin Gardner and he's going to reveal to you (laughs) what CPO means. And, uh, uh, you know, that's not a big secret or anything. I've just never heard the term before. Maybe you haven't either. So thanks for, uh, tuning in thanks for sticking around and uh make sure you stick through the interview we've got some news events uh news and events on the other side industry news that you're going to want to hear and until then enjoy this interview with colin gardner hello america thanks for tuning in for another word on your podcast now i'm actually chatting with uh i'm going to tease him a little because he's a, it's official colin uh this is the, was the most rescheduled and colin's a busy guy i'm talking to colin gardner He's the chief product officer of Outdoorsy, and we're going to get into what Outdoorsy is and how awesome it is in just a second. But I had to tease him uh, right off the bat because I've, I've, I've had no other guests have had to reschedule as much as you. So you are a busy, busy man, man. I thank you for, I thank you for taking the time to chat with me. Well, I'm happy to be here. And uh, <laughs> I promise I won't schedule, you know, mid-podcast. Yeah. Mid-podcast, he's going to duck out. Uh, <laughs> no, man, I completely understand. Uh, you know, things going on. you got a growing company there. Now, this is an Austin-based company. Is that right? Yes. Um, most recently, we moved to Austin from San Francisco. We love it here. Um, it's just got a great outdoor environment and the place that we wanted to build our business. Oh, okay. That's fantastic. Okay. I, I'll get into that. I don't want to leave people hanging on what Outdoorsy is. Why don't you give us a rundown on uh, what Outdoorsy actually is and what you guys do? Yeah, no, I'd be happy to tell you. Um, so Outdoorsy is a RV rental marketplace. Um, it's where people go to rent uh, from their peers, um, other professionals, or to other people like uh, RV owners um, that have an RV that's kind of not being used currently and they want to rent it out for other people to come to and we're kind of the, the largest and most trusted uh, marketplace. And what we really focus on um, is building a marketplace where people can, you know, are verified uh, and are able to come and be very certain about what they're going to rent. Um, they have verified owners and verified renters, and we connect them in a way uh, that makes for a really safe and great experience. Yeah, I have to tell you, the now the idea of renting out your RV, that's not, that's not new. Uh, the, you know, this, all this isn't entirely new. Um, but I love the approach you guys have taken, you know, it's, it's much more innovative than, than rent RV rental I've seen in the past. And maybe there's not a lot of, you know, channels for, for owners to rent out their RVs through a service. I, I, I'll, I'll be honest to say, I haven't looked into that much. Uh, but when we started looking at it, uh, we were very excited. We saw, uh, you know, you guys have ads on, Facebook. Um, I actually am friends with uh, Joe and Kate Russo of We're the Russos. They have a whole YouTube channel. They they talk you guys up. So when we were looking for what to do with our spare RV, uh, you know, the first thing we thought of was listening with you guys. So great. it's a great service. Yeah. And so how, you've listed, uh, what kind of vehicle have you listed? So we have a 38 foot uh, Thor motor coach and it's a, it's a house, man. It's a house on wheels. And we were, you know, we lived in it for a year while we did a whole, you know, I went and did book signings and went to uh, conventions and that sort of thing. So I'm billing it out now as a, uh, a mobile writer's retreat. 
Oh, nice. Yeah, we see a lot of success for people that kind of uh, pursue that kind of experiential angle where it's mm -hmm. not just renting the you know trailer, uh, RV, motorhome, what, what have you. Um, it's also kind of tailoring it so that it's matched to a place to go. Um, mm -hmm. In a lot of ways, you know, it's, it's a new medium for travel for people. It's kind of like this kind of third category of lodging that now coming online and becoming readily available. Um, and people know they want to go try it, but they also need inspiration on where to go. And so as a brand, we really strive to provide that for people. Um, yeah. Vision, you know, if you go to our Instagram account, you'll see tons of kind of great imagery from our, um, from our customers and just all the great things you can go do when you have the freedom of the road. Um, yeah. So it's a really interesting asset class because unlike a hotel or a vacation rental where you're stationary in one spot, um, you can take your RV to all the great destinations. You go to the spot. Um, and so you bring your lodging with you and, and that just makes it a really interesting medium uh, for yeah. travel. Yeah, no, I, I agree, man. I, it was great because, you know, I uh, am someone who is very much inspired by the environment in which I do the writing. And, uh, you know, we travel quite a bit um, by air, but there is something kind of interesting and in, that happens when you're traveling on the road, um, you know, cause you stop at all the little dots in between, you know, you, you, whereas you would have hopped over all that. Now you're experiencing a, uh, you know, a world along the path. So it's an interesting experience. What, what, what really, um, I mean, why this space though, you know, what, what brought out outdoorsy about? Yeah. So, um, great question. The, uh, you know, I think the, you know the, the founding story behind outdoors it really comes back to this um the founders uh, going cross country uh, in an rv and really seeing the, the problem to be solved uh, many people being underwater on this asset that they have or mm -hmm. sitting in their backyard um and really being able to bring that you know the, kind of a, an albatross or an anchor for them and making it actually a money maker for them um and so you know the big big piece there was kind of going across America seeing a how great of an experience it was you know and, and going to experience the outdoors is kind of the, the last great American road trip um, just kind of that ethos uh, but then also identifying that there is an asset out there that many people you know have as a second home via mortgage um, that is potentially you know kind of holding them back um, and being able to unlock that kind of that, that latent asset um, and have it rented out and then become a, kind of a revenue generating asset for them whereby they can pay for their mortgage and things like that. And so there's a lot of financial freedom that came along with it. Yeah. I mean, from, from the RV owner's perspective, it, it, it is kind of a godsend because we were, we were struggling. I mean, we, you know, we, we didn't know what to do uh, because, you know, we had trouble selling the RV and we really weren't all that keen on selling it in the first place. It was just one of those, like, you know, we're not using it as often. Uh, it is, you know, sucking up money each month. Uh, just because it's, you know, because it's an RV. Um, but, you know, I, this concept of uh, renting it out, we were afraid of it at first, uh, afraid of the very concept of it. Uh, but going in through Outdoorsy really was very helpful in uh, comforting us, I guess, giving us a little more confidence in the, our ability to do this. <clears throat> how are you guys, I mean, you're, tell us a little about the system, like how you protect both the, uh, the RV owner and the person, the people renting. Yeah. So I think the key to all of this is insurance, right? Um, and a lot of, uh, you know, owners in general, um, kind of prior to kind of this concept of this on-demand insurance that we provided through our platform, didn't have a way to insure their rental. Uh, and so a lot of it was just kind of luck and that scared a lot of people away from doing it. And it's certainly a 
not, you know, when you have this really prized asset that you know, you're saying you didn't want to sell, um, but you're also right. thinking about it getting wrecked. Um, it was very clear to us that providing insurance so you can protect the asset was really key to the whole experience. And beyond insurance, you know, insurance just isn't about, um, you know, protection. There is also the piece of like, you want the right renter for your vehicle. And so right. for us, also meant making sure that the renters that were on our platform were verified. This means actually getting their driver's license and doing a DMV background check, making right. sure that they don't have uh, tons of outstanding, uh, you know, you know, any outstanding tickets, things like this, you know, and making sure that the people that we're really connecting with are great. And that also goes on the owner side. Um, you know, we really want quality vehicles and owners that are invested in making a great experience for renters. Right. It's really about that, that connection point uh, between those and, and connecting people that really want their asset, you know, rented out and then renters that really want to take this thing and have a great experience and we'll take care of that asset. Um, and so in that way, we really protect against it. And um, as always, we're iterating on that. We'll be introducing more and more ways to make sure that everyone has a great experience on the platform. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel much more confident. You know, we're still kind of just testing the waters uh, and uh, it still does make us a, just a tiny bit nervous. You know, we haven't had that first renter yet. So we're, we're a little nervous, uh, especially when it's like, you know, we're going to take the RV across the entire nation with five people in it. Now that one kind of didn't sit too well with us, but we're working on it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And you know, I think as an owner, you need to do what makes you comfortable, you know, right. um, making money is always a great thing, but it's also about the preserving of your asset. Yeah. Uh, we, that's why we really like to give the owners the option to, you know, pick the renters that you know, make the most sense for them. Um, but that also we sent the expectation on the renter side that, you know, they have all the protection in place that they need to go drive this large vehicle or tow this large uh, trailer around. And, you know, that, you know, on the renter side is providing, you know, things like roadside assistance, but also providing a lot of documentation, and, right. uh, help, uh, 24-7 customer service, things like that, um, that really make it great for everyone. Um, and so that everyone feels like they've, you know, they've got their back. Yeah. Um, now on the renter side. Because uh, I have a tendency, you know, you know, it's my nature uh, as an entrepreneur. I have a tendency to all only think of this as a resource for, you know, the entrepreneur with an asset, right? But as a uh, renter, um, I like what you said earlier that the that those who are most successful tend to be the ones that ex that focus on the experience. Um, do you guys do anything to promote the sort of experience experiential side of being an RV renter? Yeah. So, you know, as we're always, we're uh, innovating in the product side, but, you know, we, we have a large partnership with KOA. And, you know, okay. Part of RVing is you need a, a place to park it at night, you know, unless you're just boondocking on your own, you, you know, uh, there's a piece of land that needs to have an RV parked on it. And, yeah. uh, you know, for us, you know, we acknowledge wholeheartedly that, you know, where you park your RV is part of the experience and where you go. Um, so you know, not to give away too much, but we'll, uh, we'll be rolling out a, a lot of features, uh, for, you know, for the renter side to kind of give them inspiration around what to do next um, and right. how, to, how to take a, you know, a sprinter van along the California coast, how to, you know, take a trailer into the mountains in Colorado or what have you. I, I, I volunteer as tribute uh, to help you create programs aimed at riders uh, yeah. and taking RVs out on the road and, and using them as riding spaces. You can, you can hit me up anytime, man. What, you know, I'm intrigued as, um, what, what makes it such a great place for writing? Uh, you, you know what it is? This is what I loved about it. I think now I, I happen to have a very 
high-end RV. You know, I mean, it's got all the amenities of home. So I, when I travel, it's very, it's very cush. But, you know, even when we had our little pop-up A-frame, uh, A-liner camper, um, you know, the appeal for me was to be able to get out there, have some comforts, you know, have my coffee, have my booze, have my, you know, uh, a toilet nearby, that sort of thing. Um, but then I can experience, uh, whatever the world has to offer me. I like being in the mountains. I like being in forests. I like being on lakes. You know, I can choose to ride in those places and it doesn't matter if there's a hotel nearby. None of that stuff matters. If I can get there with four wheels under me, then I, you know, a minimum of four wheels under me, then, uh, I can experience it and I can write in that space. I can be in that space. So that's what appeals to me. And I think that would appeal to uh, a lot of authors and creatives. Yeah, and I think for us, you know, outdoorsy isn't just about the vehicle itself, right? It's yeah. uh, about going outdoors and kind of being in the moment. Kind of like, and the way to reconnect is to disconnect. And mm -hmm. That's really something that's a core tenant to our, our brand and what we care about as a, as a company. Is, you know, and that's why I said experience is so important. It's, it's really about the, the journey and where you're going with that vehicle. Um, it's really your way to get there. So, yeah. And, uh, we, you know, we, we love, um, you know, as part of our reviews, you can upload photos. We, we love seeing photos from all of our renters uh, going out to see what they're doing. And I know owners love to see all the places that their vehicle's been um, and all the great experiences they have with them because it's a, it's a hugely validating part of the, the experience for owners, right, is that you have a really great renter that went out and made a really great life experience. That mm -hmm. never and I think, you know, beyond just the money and, you know, making sure people have a way to take this asset, which they otherwise couldn't make money, it's also about enriching other people's lives that didn't otherwise wouldn't otherwise own an RV or be able to rent. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 I that's part of the that's a great uh, part of this is the appeal of this thing for me, and that's one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on the show, by the way, because I I feel like um, this is an untapped market uh, of sorts. Uh, in that, you know, I talked to Arthur, I talked to thousands of authors uh, through my role uh, with this show, with Draft Digital. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm always talking to authors. Authors are real keen on experience. And, they, you know, this is something that I, I hear a lot of people say, man, if I had the money, I would do it, you know. And this is an, a, an open door for the opportunity to, you know, I, I put this, I, I talked to one of your guys, Logan, earlier, but, you know, I, I put it as, I, you know, I made the investment so you don't have to. You can hop in, in my RV or the RV of anyone on Outdoorsy.com and go check out, you know, the Grand Canyon, go check out you know, some national forests, you know, you can be out in these, uh, these places that are just, inspiration is just dripping off of every tree. So, yeah, I, I think this is a, I, I really feel like authors in particular, you'll, you're going to find them very passionate about the indie author community. The, uh, I think authors in particular could get a lot out of this service. So I'm willing to help you, man. <laughs> you know, on a point where it's, uh, people don't know that they can go do this. You know, they, um, I think right. Graham and some of these other uh, social media mediums are, are presenting more photos of kind of this van life movement and things like that. And that's just one, I think, window into it. Um, but it is starting to become top of mind for people that, you know, owning assets uh, is not kind of the thing that everyone does uh, anymore. Mm -hmm. um, no, and on top of that, you know, not wanting to have to take care of it and things like that makes it really attractive for renters. Right. Uh, I personally, like, I don't have a space to park with. You know, I'd have to find storage, things like that. And so 
I was really attracted to the opportunity outdoorsy, uh, having worked in travel and the vacation rental market and seeing that uh, grow from, you know, very kind of a nascent market to a now, a, you know, really large part of the travel yeah. industry. And I, I really wanted to get it back to the, back to basics again on a, a new asset category in travel um, and really help grow it. Uh, but for me, what was, was so nice, you know, one of the best memories growing up for me is my family went to New Zealand and we rented an RV and toured around the North Island. That just like in my mind etched forever, you know, that was just the experience that I thought if we could enable that for everyone, yeah, you'd win for me. And, you know, and it's not just, you know, like the, the ones you can rent um, in a lot of ways from the bigger players are just uh, like, you know, in some ways, uh, just large kind of uh, box-ish ones. Um, and what I really loved about outdoors is it brought a lot of the character um, and a lot of these other vehicle types that weren't otherwise, you know, commercially viable, I would say, or enough of them around. Um, they brought that kind of eclectic mix, uh, unique inventory to the marketplace that didn't otherwise exist. And so, uh, you know, for my family, now that we have kids, you know, we, we really like the trailer setup. Uh, whereas, you know, it was just my wife and I, we'd be more into a sprinter van or something like that. So I'd really like that there's an asset class for everyone. And Silas, right. there's something, you know, like Airstreams, uh, you know, like a lot of people love the Airstreams and just the kind of the vintage feel to that. Uh, so I, like I said, I, I love that there's this eclectic inventory out there that now is other, now is rentable that other ones otherwise wasn't. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, it gives you an opportunity also, uh, let's just say you're look, you are looking to purchase one of these things. Uh, you know, this is a great opportunity to try out different types, the different classes, uh, see what would be comfortable for you. My wife and I, when we bought our RV, I wish we had been able to, I wish we had thought to do it. You guys were around, so we could have used you to do this. Uh, but when we looked into renting RVs, man, they, it was ridiculously expensive through some of these other uh, services. Uh, you guys are much more reasonable. I mean, how, how are you managing that? Like, how are you able to undercut those other services like that? Yeah, you know, you as an individual owner get to price your own asset. But one of the nice right. parts about all these different asset classes coming on is that it's not just these large drivable RVs anymore that are being rented out, like a very specific kind of spec. Um, now there are a lot of uh, campers, uh, trailers, uh, you know, some of the smaller pop-up tent trailers that uh, the pricing on those is just, you know, lower, right? You don't, you don't, don't have an engine on it, uh, right. things like that. So uh, maintenance costs and the overall cost of the, the vehicle itself is much lower. And so um, that's really kind of where we're opening up a lot of the market, I would say, um, especially in this trailer category. Um, that wasn't otherwise available as you kind of see the traditional RV rental market has been drivable. Um, That's true. Yeah. Now that there's more of this trailer inventory, um, it allows people to use their own car um, as a tow vehicle and things like that. So this opens up a lot more possibilities from that perspective. Um, and, you know, it's like with kids, like putting car seats in an RV isn't always uh, an easy thing to do. Um, right. or to do. And so for us being able to use our, you know, our SUV to tow a trailer to a campground or even get it delivered. Um, that's another uh, basically category that people don't really think about is that people will deliver their RVs and trailers, you know, to yeah. like campgrounds, things like that for them. So making it much more accessible for people to go outdoors. You don't have to stay in a, in a tent if you don't want to. You can actually get a trailer delivered, things like that. So um, as far as the pricing goes, you know, we, you know, I, I come from a marketplace background as well. And so um, my background's in econ. So I've always have a love for for pricing, um, yeah. how marketplace is clear. And so uh, proper pricing is, is a key part to all of it. And so we, we are working very diligently to provide all of our owners with uh, more tools to price accurately and more intelligence around how to do that. Um, 
I, I think that's a core part of running a really efficient marketplace, uh, one where renters and owners can readily find something that they can match on, um, yeah. great experiences. Yeah, yeah, that's good. That, yeah, and that's been my experience so far. Now, we haven't, we haven't looked as closely at um, you guys for, you know, as renters, uh, because we're very concerned with getting the uh, getting our rig in shape and ready to go. Uh, and I've gotten 12 ideas uh, since you and I have been talking about things I'm going to do to the RV. So uh, to, to make the experience even better for renters. Um, but, you know, I, I we're definitely going to look into this, by the way, uh, renting. I uh, One of the ideas I had was we were talking about taking our RV on a trip for um, uh, Thanksgiving. Um, and I think it would be much more fun if, especially if I can rent out our RV uh, over that time to just rent something else from you guys and try something else out. <laughs> oh yeah. You know, the one that I always, uh, the ones that I always love to look at and want to, want to do more with is in Hawaii. There's all these really, uh, really cool vintage vans. Yeah. People, just so many great photos, parking on the beach, going surfing, things like that. And um, that really kind of, for me, tugs on the, the, the heart for what to go do and kind of that wanderlust spirit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not like you're going to get to drive to Hawaii. So. No, what, what's great is you, know, you fly there, you show up, and you can, you know, you, you have your accommodation on wheels. It's great. I mean, I think that's uh, that's know, fantastic. Unless you happen to be on, you know, an island with a volcano. It's crafty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, um, all right. So, what are some things? Um, Let's 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 attack this uh, first from the uh, the RV owner side. Uh, what are some like best practices that uh, the RV owner should keep in mind if they come in on outdoorsy? Yeah, no, great question, and you know something that we we constantly try to help owners with. But you know, maybe this is a, maybe it's obvious, but maybe it's not. But it's great photos. You know, I think yeah. we all know from looking travel ourselves, me personally, not wanting to screw up any family vacations uh, mm -hmm. that you really scrutinize what that hotel room looks like, what the you know, vacation room looks like. And you know, RV, uh, people renting RVs are no different. Uh, they want to make sure that what they see is what they're gonna get. And so uh, for owners, whatever they can do to take really great photos, not just grainy photos on your, on your phone, uh, but you know, potentially you know, opting for a little bit more investment and getting really quality photos. Mm -hmm. um, and if people need help with that, they can definitely contact our customer service and we can help people with that. Um, Past photos, writing a description, uh, a really well-written description that isn't just uh, a paragraph long, but is a multiple paragraphs. It's very detailed about the vehicle, you know, a little bit of the history, a little bit about the owners, what amenities it has, uh, things like that. So it's just very obvious to people what they have. And then really filling out all the, the add-ons and things like that where they can, um, you know, offer to the renter, you know, a bike. Uh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Float to, you know, it, whatever the, the things that you have um, that you can add on there, um, but then also offering different packages, um, kind of like we talked about. Maybe it's you know, you know, one package is for you know, parking at a music festival, things like that. So there's always ways to kind of enhance your listing to make it even more attractive. And then uh, lastly, I would say you know, I mean, always keeping your calendar up to date and having a really you know competitive pricing. That's always lead to a great experience. Um, you know, you don't need to undercut everybody else, um, but you need to be kind of in the mix with your asset. Uh, yeah. Type. Yeah. Yeah. When we look and when looking at pricing, I mean, you know, it, I, I don't, I hate competing on price because yeah. the experience is going to be different. You know, 
depending on what you get. The people you deal with are going to be different. So, you know, I, I, I do like to play up like the experience and maybe the amenities and the benefits and that sort of thing, rather than trying to compete on price. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. I, I, I agree. And I think that, you know, long ways, what we really want to encourage is a really great community within our marketplace. And I think that comes with uh, trying to be as emphatic as possible with renters. You know, I think a lot of these, a lot of these renters that come on are going to do it for their first time ever. And so, you know, realizing that they, you know, need some help when you give them the walkthrough and the kind of the right. exchange really helping them understand it. You know, no one wants to go on vacation and have a problem, right? Like that's just, no one wants that. Um, right. You know, one of the biggest ways that uh, owners can help make sure that their RV comes back in, you know, the best possible condition is also really spending the time with renters to, to show them how things work, provide them, you know, uh, the walkthrough, but also documentation on, how their RV works, kind of the idiosyncrasies of that RV, and then also being, you know, readily available when they're on their trip to kind of answer questions and things like that. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I, I personally, you know, it's always nice to have like a, a little gift basket or something in there, making you feel really welcome to the RV and then uh, a guest book, things like that, where it, it makes it really feel homey. That's funny, a guest book. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. I'm surprised uh, my wife didn't think of that. <laughs> and some of the you know the added pluses too you know just think if you're maybe you're renting a home it's very similar to this right you know having uh you know cutlery uh silverware plates things like that that you know mm -hmm. that people don't have to bring everything from home and it makes it a much easier experience for them yeah yeah all right so now i want to flip it to the uh the renter's side um, and, and things the renter should think about and, you know, what they should look for uh, going in. Best practices, really, when it comes down to it. Cause, well, and, and really what I'm focused on here is, you know, I know my listeners, my listeners, primarily independent authors, you know, I, I want them to think of this as a getaway that can help them with their careers, uh, but also something that they can do to relax and spend time with family. So what would you say? I mean, what are some best practices for uh, people looking to rent an RV? Yeah, I, I think, you know, a big part of it is picking where you want to go and picking the right asset or the, the right type of vehicle for that. Mm -hmm. um, you know, best practice, you know, if you're, if you're going to be picking, you know, a towable versus a drivable, um, definitely on the towable side, best practice is to figure out what kind, if you have a tow package on your car, you know, can you, you know, how much you can tow and what that hitch size might be. Um, mm -hmm. That's a big part of it. And then if you don't have a tow vehicle um, or something that can be towed, whether you want something to delivered. Um, and so in a lot of ways, best practices for that, you know, if you're going to get something delivered, it's figuring out where you want it delivered, camping out and things like that, and communicating very clearly to the, uh, the owner what you're kind of hoping to do. Um, and then as far as like on the drivable side, you know, I think a lot of people are, you know, if they're never driven an RV before, it can be a little, a little scared. Uh, it, it, it's terrifying. It was terrifying for like the first three months that I owned the RV. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, uh, we just got a new car and uh, I, I can, you know, flashing back to when I, you know, drove my first RV, these similar <laughs> moments. Um, but, you know, I think, you know, for the renter, you know, best practice is just as they go to, you know, communicate with the owner, tell them your story, tell them where you want to go and what you want to experience. Mm -hmm. um, and tell them, you know, what you might be worried about and make sure that they help you when you go to pick up that RV, you know, like how to use it and how to use it right and do a little test drive and things like that. That little extra bit of time will make everyone feel more comfortable um, and also ultimately lead to a much better experience. Um, 
you know, we, we want, we want a really positive kind of community element to all of this. And so making the, the as tight a connection as possible between the renter and owner is really what we care about. Yeah. Uh, and for a renter, you know, I mean, as these are all, you know, these owners are you know, individuals having full lives. Uh, we always recommend that they try and, you know, kind of send requests to as many people as possible to kind of make sure that they find something that will work for their trip. Uh, yeah. And, you know, on the renter side, I think one of the great things is uh, instantly bookable inventory where they can kind of look at everything themselves and they can kind of book it right away um, and kind of have that peace of mind. Yeah. Yeah. I'm still, I'm still working out how all that works on, yeah. on our end, but Always yeah. Here to help. You know, oh, good, man. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'm going to take you up on it. Yeah. We have a great customer support team. Um, yeah. You know, people I've worked with in the, for a long time and uh, they're always here to help. Uh, you know, I think that's for owners. That's definitely one of the things that they may feel at times out there on their own, but we're, we're always here. You know, yeah. we have a L Logan told me to uh, hit you up. Cause I, I, I mentioned to him that I'd love to come up and check out your, uh, your offices in Austin sometime, man. Yeah, we have a we have great office, great outdoor seating. <coughs> Sorry, if it's not 100 degrees, it's great. It's great to be outside. Yeah, I know. Well, we're in Texas. I get it. I'm not that far. I'm a couple hundred miles away from you. I'm getting the same 100 degrees. Don't don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, we love having people come by. We um we recently painted some really great murals um, on the outside of our building, uh, kind of depicting a lot of the, you know RV scenery. And we have a lot of people coming in the front door saying, "Hey, I just listed on you guys. I just want to come and say hi." And it's always really great to have owners come in and talk them through this and really help them be successful. Cause at the end of the day, that's how we're all successful. Right. Yeah. Uh, and so, like I said, we, we have, we, we really tried to build our community um, for owners and we are always working on it every day. And we really want there to be this safety net for people to get advice um, and help them figure out how to be really successful at this business. Cause we see a lot of people graduating from just having one RV like yourself um, mm -hmm. having multiple and actually running that's business. That's what we're aiming for. Yeah. We're, we're oh. thinking we might want to go that route. Yeah. And so, you know, it always behooves us to help you. Um, and like I said, I, we're always here to chat and we really want you to be successful. So give us a call, email, chat, Facebook owner group, any of those mediums. We're always here. Um, and like I said, we, we really want to build a great community that's, you know, still trust and safety long-term. So, yeah. Yeah. All right, man. Well, look, we're, we're at time. I don't want to take up too much of your time, but, uh, <laughs> what, uh, I know it goes quick though. <laughs> so, all right. Uh, where can people find out more about outdoorsy? Uh, going to www.outdoorsy.com. Uh, the, the best place to go. We have um, great descriptions on the founding story and kind of why we, why we started this business. Um, and it's always inspiring to me to go back and read that. Um, but yeah, Outdoorsy.com is great. We just launched internationally in a number of markets as well. So we've got uh, listeners. Oh, man. Really You're on the grow. Yeah. Um, I got a, a lot of New Zealand and uh, Australian listeners. So you, yeah, you hitting so those? Those are just, uh, those markets, you know, are super mature when it comes to RV rentals. And uh, yeah. we, we're really excited to expand those places. And, you know, a lot of uh, our renters and owners have pulled us there. A lot of people saying, hey, we want this inventory here. We want to go check this out. And so we've listened and we're, we're going after it. That's fantastic, man. Yeah. I, you know, and, and I keep, I got a lot of folks keep asking me to come to New Zealand. Nobody's offered to buy my airfare yet. Uh, but uh, I've got plenty of places to stay, but I may have to rent an RV while I'm there. Cause I think that would be the, yeah. I personally think that'd be the most awesome way to check out New Zealand. Oh, uh, like I said, I, when I grew up, I, we, uh, we did an RV trip and sailing trip. Uh, yeah. North Island, South, uh, sailing on the South Island. And I literally don't have any fonder memories of, 
that trip. My wife has a very similar experience. They, they spent a Christmas um, caravanning around New Zealand. And uh, so she had a blast doing that as a kid. So now I, we were, we're going to go recreate that at some point. Awesome. All right, man. Well, uh, look, I'll uh, let's get you out of here. Uh, everybody listening. Thank you. Uh, first, let me say thank you, Colin, for, uh, for being on the show, man. I, I know ex- I teased you at the beginning, but I'm, I know you're incredibly busy. So thanks for taking the time. No excuses. It's my, been my pleasure to be on the show. I'm really happy to have you on board as an owner. Um, it's, uh, you know, people like you that make the community great uh, look forward to having more more riders on the platform yeah we're going to get them there i'm going to get them there every rider within the sound of my voice you need to check out an rv uh i'll uh we'll, we'll get them hooked up so. all right we're going to get a referral program in there so i can make a little coin off this yeah. i'm just putting it out there <laughs> got that in place so we'll definitely get that going Fantastic. All right, everybody. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, Right now, you're probably hearing the groovy theme music. You may dance in place at will. Stick around for industry news, uh, all the industry news you can handle, and uh, probably some other cool stuff, too. I'll see you on the other side of that. And for now, Colin, thanks again for being on the show, man. Thank you. Take care, everybody. Hear your book the way it was meant to be heard with a fully custom soundtrack based on your material, an album of music that perfectly fits your characters, your settings. Hear your book today. Sonatainscribe.com. Hey, I hope you got a lot out of that interview with with Colin. Um, If you haven't checked out Outdoorsy yet, please do. This this has been a great resource for me, Uh, not just as someone renting an RV, but, you know, if you're looking for that retreat, if you're looking for a way to get out there, and uh, experience nature and, uh, you know, inspire your writing, that sort of thing, Uh, explore new worlds, (laughs) in a sense, Um, new worlds and new civilizations, you're definitely going to want to check this out. It's like, um, it's a great way to get out on the road, uh, minimizing your overhead. You wouldn't have to buy an RV, see? So, um, now let's, let's jump right in to the industry news. So, uh... I got some great stories for you this this morning, um, among others. Let me just let me just move this microphone up a little. Sorry. <laughs> I wasn't hearing myself very well. Um, first up, uh, this is an interesting story. This is uh, has some astounding numbers in it. But the AAP estimates U.S. book publishing industry generated twenty six twenty six billion dollars in revenue last year. Uh, now this is coming off of the Association of American Publishers, um, their what they call their StatShot annual report. Not the most accurate report in the world. Uh, it, it's it doesn't necessarily factor in indie book income, uh, so it's it's kind of uh, a skewed result. But it, it does have some interesting numbers. It has one number in particular. Uh, that I, I do want to focus on. I'll just read this from uh, our good friend Nate Hoffelder and uh, the Digital Reader. But uh, the Association of American Publishers AAP issued its 2018 StatShot annual report today, which found, among other things, that the U.S. book publishing industry generated an estimated $26.23 billion in net revenue for 2017, representing 20, 2.72 billion units, uh, meaning books sold. 
Now, there's a there's quite a bit here. Uh, it, it makes some claims that the nonfiction. Uh, the, well, first up, it says nonfiction for adults is on the rise, with a five point four percent increase in uh, publisher revenue between 2016 2017. Um, now, that's a that's probably a healthy number. Um, a lot a lot of people still get their nonfiction through traditional outlets, so they would have probably more accurate numbers on that. Where I think this does kind of stumble a little. It says that publisher revenue for adult fiction declined uh, by negative 1.2% to 4.38 billion. Um, and it says that from 2013 to 2017, this category saw only one year of revenue growth, which was in 2015. I, I think that number is probably inaccurate. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead out and uh, uh, get out there on that statement because, um, and I only have anecdotal evidence for this, backed by the author earnings report. Uh, but from my experience, from uh, the authors I speak with, the industry uh, professionals I speak with, the uh, fiction is on the rise uh, for the India publisher. So I think this uh, this number doesn't necessarily account for that growth. Um, now, the other number I thought was interesting here and this one, this one ties in directly with uh, the stuff we're, that Draft the Digital is doing with Findaway Voices, our partner there. I'm going to move this microphone one more time just to get that down a little. Sorry about that, folks. Uh, the uh, this is focused on the audiobook industry. It says downloaded audio remained the fastest growing format with 28.8% year-over-year growth from 2016 to 2017 and 146.2% growth over the past five years uh, being 2013 to 2017. Now, that is, um, that's an astounding number and it what it does hint at is a great opportunity, particularly for indie authors who can own and control their work. Um, and it opens up, uh, it's a great segue into something I was going to mention anyway, which is that right now, through draft to digital if you go into find away voices through draft to digital right now through um i believe august 17th i believe is the date um yes august 17th if you go in through draft to digital get your book into audio or start producing audio get a contract with with a uh, producer um by that time you we you can get a free final production hour of audio meaning you know, if if your final production hours were ten hours for this book, you would only pay for nine, which can be pretty significant. So you might want to uh, go check that out. Of course, if you go in through Draft to Digital, you don't pay the forty nine dollar um, admin fee. They're calling it something else now. I don't remember. Um, but uh, you know, you don't pay the forty nine dollar fee per book. So it, all you have to do is mention the words "one free hour" in the questionnaire when you sign in through Draft to Digital. And you will get that hour free. So go check that out and uh, uh, get your audiobook going because this is a growing, booming market. There's low competition and high demand. That's a magic formula every author is looking for. Next up, uh, we've got this story. Just This story makes me want to stab people. Uh, Tor Books is now... Oh, uh, by the way, I, I neglected to uh, mention the URL uh, for the previous story. So let me back up just a second. Go to, to bit.ly slash 157-billions and you will find that previous story. Sorry about that, folks. Now, on to Tor. Uh, Tor Books is now windowing library ebooks. books um, 
Now, this is a story that really irritates me. So let me just, I'll read from their, um, their press, their, not a press release, but the letter that they sent to, uh, to libraries, to the public libraries. Our current analysis on e-lending indicates it is having a direct and adverse impact on retail e-book sales. Effective with July 28 publish, uh, 2018 publications, all new titles from Tor Books will become available for library e-book distribution four months after their retail on-sale date, rather than the current program, which allows libraries to purchase titles on their retail on-sale date. <sighs> all right, let's dig in on this. By the way, four months is the more generous um estimate there uh this this whole uh this documentation goes on to say that they could actually delay uh distribution to libraries up to 40 months that is more than three years of uh a, a library waiting to purchase a book that the public might want to read uh i have a real problem with this i have a problem with it and i'm also celebrating it and here's here's why <laughs> first up uh it is ridiculous to say that libraries are cannibalizing retail sales. There are two two models uh, right now. Now, Draft to Digital is now uh, now engaged with both these models, and you can do distribution this way. It's a this is going to be fantastic. Um, there is the one copy one use model, which means that a library has to purchase a license to distribute that book meaning that they can only distribute the number of books for which they have a license. So if you are an author or publisher uh, and you sell a, a single license to a library, a library buys a single license, that library can only loan out one copy of that book um, to its patrons and uh, has to wait for that book to come back. So two weeks later, you know, or unless they recheck it out, you know, two weeks later, the patron brings that book back and the next patron can check it out. So if you've got a a waiting list of um, of readers who might want to check out that book, it could, you know, let's say 50 people, um, it could be years before the final person on that waiting list actually gets to read that book through the library, okay? Um, that uh, That's all logical. And uh, the, the downside for the publisher at that point is that the library is only buying that one copy, but 50 people get to read it. Now... Draft to Digital has uh, rolled out. Now, this isn't something we invented. It's already out there. We're just now incorporating it into our library model. Uh, it's called the um, cost, per co cost per checkout model, CPC. And uh, here's, the, here's the idea. <clears throat> Rather than libraries having to pay for an individual license and being limited on, I apologize, <laughs> I don't know if you heard that, my phone ringing like crazy. I thought I had everything blocked off. But uh, rather than libraries buying uh, a single license and uh, only being able to loan the book out on that license, libraries get the opportunity to loan books out to an infinite number of patrons. Um, and here's how it works. The author would receive um, one-tenth of their asking price for the book. So whatever you you set your library price at, you'll get one tenth of it. On the surface, that that's a that's sort of a what what the hell kind of thing. You know, one tenth doesn't sound like a lot of money. It's not a lot of money. However, if for some reason uh, you've had buzz about you and your work, let's say that you did an event at the library, you uh, you were featured in an article somewhere, you were you know, or on a uh, maybe you were interviewed for a podcast or a television show. 
um, somehow, some way, the public has gotten wind of you and your book, and now you know you've marketed. Okay, now they go to the library and they want to check it out. Well, those same fifty patrons could now check out your book at the same time, and you're getting one tenth of your price. You're getting ten percent of that book's price um, per patron, right? So now, now you can see where things start to add up. So rather than buying a single license and then you get that asking price for that book and then that's it, now you've got this perpetual income, you know, as new people discover your book. Libraries are, are better able to take a risk, take a chance on your book, an untried author, untried book. They're, they might be more willing to promote that book to their patrons because it doesn't cost them anything out of pocket. So you can see where that's a great model. And it's a, it, it boosts discoverability. Um, and uh, over time, you actually can make quite a bit more on, on a book than you would selling it in retail. So uh, in a lot of ways, it's a, it's a superior model, <laughs> right? So I say that to say this. Tor, a division of Macmillan Publishing, has access to the exact same model. So they, it is literally impossible for retail sales to, cannibal, to be cannibalized by library uh, patrons. Think about it. Here's the other side of that. You are uh, your reader. You don't have you know, disposable income to go buy new releases. You go to the library to check it out. And uh, it's not there. You don't read that book. It's not like you say, I'm going to go buy it. If you didn't have the, the income for it in the first place, you're not going to go out and buy it. So you're not, you're, no one is cannibalizing retail sales because those patrons aren't going to buy the book anyway. So you can see where this is irritating, honestly. <laughs> it's ridiculous. It's a just poorly thought out. Um, now, in addition to that, um, what's, where I kind of celebrate this is that what it's doing is leaving a vacuum a void for indie authors to fill. So if I go to the library hoping to check out the latest um, Tor science fiction um, author, uh, Orson Scott Card is a Tor author, so I, I go to check out um, the latest Orson Scott Card book, and it's not going to be there for four to 40 months, but the latest Michael Anderley book is there. The latest Chris Fox book is there. Um, you know, insert your name here. And it looks a lot like, you know, what Orson Scott Card wrote. It's, it's a similar theme, maybe a similar idea, or, uh, it's, it's science fiction. It's something to fill the void, right? I'm going to go ahead and check that book out. And now that indie author gets that sale, uh, and Tor gets nothing. Now that doesn't block Tor from making that money later. It just delays them getting the money for four months. Or 40 months. In the meantime, you could that could end up boosting that new author's success. Uh, it increases their discoverability. Library patrons will check out a book, and they will uh, read it and enjoy it. And then they will look for more books by that author, and then they will tell other people about that author. And some of those people are going to go out and buy a retail version of the book. So, sip of coffee there for the listeners. Um, so, there you go. I think this is a ridiculous thing on, uh, that uh, Taurus decided to do. Macmillan is um, 
They've, you know, I, I know they've got smart people there, so maybe there's a strategy at work, but this is a ridiculous idea. Um, <laughs> it's just, it's offensive is what it is. Uh, you're, 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 uh, I don't know. I, I have very strong feelings about the public library. I, I actually think that the public library saved my life, literally saved my life in my early twenties. Uh, you know, I was, uh, struggling with, um, you know, I wasn't doing well. I was in a dark place in my life and the library provided me someplace to go, uh, that I could afford to go cause I had no money. It gave me books, videos, music, magazines, and newspapers, access to uh, job searches, you know, access to community resources I didn't even know existed. So I'm um, very passionate about libraries. I'm not always the biggest fan of government, uh, you know, being involved in things and tax dollars going to services and that sort of thing. Um, but I, this one is one that's very close to my heart. I can see an intrinsic return on investment for tax payers. And so, and I know people may, may or may not agree with me on my position on these things, but the public library has been amazing in my life and amazing in the lives of others. Um, and so for the publishing industry to, to just, just put up the middle finger to these people, uh, to us, to us, the taxpayers, to the people who live in the United States, um, yeah, it's just offensive. So anyway, um, that's my... We'll call that my asinine story of the week. You can find more details on that at bit.ly slash 157-tor, T-O-R, by the way. Um, and maybe we should reach out and let, let Macmillan and Tor know just how stupid they are. Or maybe we should just sit here quietly and collect our money. I'm not, I'm not really sure. Let's start a movement, folks. Um, okay, next up, and this one is our final story of the day. Uh, Amazon updates KDP rules to discourage book stuffing. Now, if you're not familiar with book stuffing... Uh, there's a lot of ways that this uh, is defined, but one one of the one of the more popular book stuff, stuffing methods is for authors to um, uh, take a series of books or short stories that have already been published numerous times, shove them into a book, and put a, some new content in the very back. And the the goal here is for um, people to to check out the new book because it's got a new title, a new cover, everything. Um, and uh, discover that the story that they want to read is in the very back, so they have to go through all the content to get to it, which leads to these authors um, making more revenue from Amazon uh, because, the, uh, because of page reads. So uh, I'll read you a little bit from this. Um, and this is specifically, now I'm reading this from, from uh, Nate Hoffelder's um, Digital Reader, uh, one of my favorite authors, uh, info, author news sites, by the way. Uh, shout out to Nathan. So here's a here's something he wrote on. He mentions Chance Carter, who's a known book stuffer who's just been banned from from KU. Uh, he says their goal was to get their fans to click through each book to the end, thus collecting up to fifteen dollars for each reader, a three thousand page limit time uh, times a half a cent per page is a nominal $15. But after all the public criticism, Amazon changed the rules to limit the duplicate content in KU and then banned Chance Carter and other cheaters from the Kindle store. Um, this is something that's been a long time coming. Now, here's the deal. Not every collection of books out there or stories out there violates um, Kindle's rules on this. Um, what, you, what you have to do is label this stuff clearly. So... For example, you might, you, you're going to want to put boxed set, bundle, collection, compilation, 
uh, series, you're going to want to put that on the cover and in the metadata. Uh, you're going to want to list the stories and uh, the books that are included in the metadata. You're going to want to make sure that when people pick up this book, they know beyond a reasonable doubt that this is a collection of existing work that they're that they're getting into, that they're paying for, uh, and that it is uh, it's not. You know, you're not cheating. Just well, here's the rule: don't cheat Amazon. Don't try to don't try to game Amazon. Don't try to game one of the wealthiest uh, software developers on the planet that has a super intelligent AI algorithm that scans for uh, this kind of stuff. Don't try to cheat them. <laughs> Seems like a fair enough way uh, to approach work. Um, I actually have um, a series uh, like compilations. Um, like for example, I've got Light Years is my collection of sci-fi books, and I label it as my complete sci-fi library. So it is a collection of existing books, and uh, you can get it for a bargain price. You can get it for like ten bucks. I mean, it's it's cheap. Um, but or you can check it out on Ku now. Do I benefit from uh, the page reads? Well, if you read through all those books, yes, I do. And but this is this stuffing. Amazon may decide that it is. I I don't think that it is because I do label it clearly as a, a complete set. Um, and uh, I I really I put it up so that because I was transitioning to writing thrillers and I wanted people to be able to get the that full library of my older work. I was planning to do the same thing with uh, the thrillers after a time. So. Uh, but I, I need to go back and make sure that I'm abiding by the rules um, for KU. Make sure that everything is aligned. And if it's not, I'll pull the book down. You know, that's just, that's life. <laughs> so, whew. Anyway, um, well, that's it. That's it for this week's uh, industry news. You'll find that story, by the way, at, um, let's pop on over to the notes. You can find that story at bit.ly slash 157 dash Amazon. And that wraps us up for this week's industry news. Um, I hope you got something useful out of this episode of the Warrior Slinger podcast. It's been a it's been uh, it's been a good week, and uh, I think there's a lot of stuff, interesting stuff happening. And the RV thing is just incredible to me. Uh, every it's become an opportunity um, for so much, so much growth in my life, uh, revenue, um, exploration. Uh, so it's become a tool. And I think that's been the important shift in thinking for me. Uh, instead of thinking of it as a financial burden or, you know, maintenance burden or whatever, uh, wherever my mind was taking it, I'm now looking at it as a, a growth tool, <laughs> a multi-purpose growth tool. So uh, anyway, go check out Outdoorsy.com. I hope you're taking care of yourselves. Uh, stay cool. It's we got record heat out there right now. It's, it's it's been like 105 here in the Houston area, and I'm hearing rumors of 115 in places like Arizona, uh, and uh, you know some parts of California, uh, especially with those areas near the forest fires, the the wildfires. Man, take care of yourselves out there. Get get someplace safe, someplace cool. Uh, write some stuff in an air-conditioned cafe somewhere. That's how you can cool off for the day. God bless you. Take care of yourselves. I hope I see you all next week. Hey, thanks for tuning in to the Wordslinger Podcast. Now, you can support this show by visiting wordslingerpodcast.com. That's where you're going to find back episodes, books by me, and links to anything and everything Wordslinger. And be sure to subscribe to this show on iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, and anywhere else fine podcasts are sold. 
I'm Kevin Tomlinson. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next time. Word slinger. <laughs>